about to enter a nexus of science, violence, and nonsense. Where fake news, pseudoscience, and weaponized stupidity meet full contact fact-checking and peer-reviewed ass-kicking. And as always, no bullshit allowed. Recorded live at Mosquito Headquarters in Austin, Texas. This is the Art of Fighting BS Podcast. Brain chips in the trick. Chocolate lines up planetarily with the sun. Necessarily rewarding You are fake news. Come on, man. Science is interesting. If you don't agree, you can fuck off. Let's do this. All right, so um, I, I don't know where to start with all this. Uh, it's been a while since we've had you on to talk about, uh, well, anything, but especially COVID, because that's all you know we're talking about lately. Uh, vaccines, anti-vaxxers, Delta variant, um, horse paste, you know, all those fun things that are happening in the world. Yeah, it's, well, I'm trying to see a way We are now at the phase where something that's a pandemic becomes an endemic, and we're at the phase where humanity shows that we're not evolved to tolerate new risk very well. And so we're having a shift, and it is causing a lot of behavioral weirdness on all sides, while simultaneously not enough people got vaccinated, and so now they're barnstorming hospitals. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I saw a protest uh, out. Well, there's several protests outside hospitals that are from people that don't want to get vaccinated, but they also want to work there. So, yeah. Yeah. So where to put this as a high level framework. So list the respiratory viruses besides MMR, so measles, mumps and rubella, that when you get a vaccine for it or when you get sick from it, you never get sick from it again. Um. No, no, there's nothing right. Right. So influenza, it mutates or it recombines. It's a little different than just mutation because H1N1, H2N5, you know, that recombines in animals every year. But you have influenza, the common cold, even GI symptoms like norovirus when you get the shits or enterovirus mm-hmm. when you also get the shits, all these things, right? Pertussis, you have a tetanus, pertussis and diphtheria booster every five years. Yeah. Okay, pertussis is whooping cough. Um, With exceptions of measles, mumps, and rubella, which are unique, most respiratory viruses, when you get vaccinated, you don't have permanent sterilizing immunity to it. Sterilizing immunity means you have neutralizing antibodies. That's a term everyone's talking about lately. That prevent the virus from entering a cell, thus prevent it from replicating, and you can kill it dead before you basically block it from doing anything ever. Okay, so... COVID is a coronavirus because it's in its name and a coronavirus is one of the viruses that caused the common cold. So what made anyone ever think that the vaccines were going to cause permanent sterilizing immunity is beyond me. No one ever said that. What they do is they turn a little murder hobo uh, using D&D terminology here (laughs) into like a level one kobold. So if you have enough level one kobolds, it can kill people through action economy. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so if everyone gets sick all at once, then the hospitals get barnstormed. And then the people who are in the hospitals are taking up the bed. So if you come with a heart attack or a broken leg, it doesn't go well for you. Right. Yep. Gallbladder issue, which happened in Houston, I think. Yep. If you uh, have a level one cobalt, though, it could deal a little damage, but you're probably going to get OK unless the GM crits five times in a row. So <laughs> what I'm saying here is that to get out of D&D analogies is 
it turns something that's deadly into something that is a normal, acceptable risk, which is just living out there. Okay. So, so to kind of spin that a little bit for the MMA people, that turns Anderson Silva into, into Silva 15 years later. Yeah. Well, Anderson Silva now, or into Steven Seagal. So basically, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson Silva into Steven Seagal. I like that one. Right. But the idea, the idea being, it can still theoretically kill you. Things can go wrong because anything can, right? Mm. It can still make you sick, but it probably won't make you very sick. It, in the unvaccinated though, it's still running around and the new Delta variant spreads much faster. So what happened is you had a variant that spreads fast. It can spread even among vaccinated people, especially given that most people were vaccinated months before the Delta variant came out. And so our neutralizing antibodies from the vaccines have started waning right? Because they don't yes. last much more than six to eight months. We'll talk about what does last in a minute. But kind of that early shield, just like when you get a cold from your kid or normally, you don't immediately reinfect yourself and everyone in your house every two weeks, right? So you get yeah. the cold, you give it to your wife, you give it to your kid or vice versa. You all get sick and then you all don't get sick from the same cold again, right? You'll get sick from a new cold in eight months, but not that cold. because so you stop reinfecting yourself because you have neutralizing antibodies for a while. Then your body goes, man, making all these immunoglobulins takes a lot of protein. I'm kind of done with this. Uh, I'm going to conserve energy now and just store the memory. Cool. So you can get sick again. Yeah. So people, but now you have a fast replicating version when neutralizing antibodies are starting to go down. Virus speed is going up and you have a whole population that's not vaccinated. So we kind of have this weird confluence. Right. If you lived in a society that's 95% vaccinated or 90% or even 80 something, there'd be no reason to wear masks because the hospitals wouldn't be getting barnstormed. The reason to wear masks and do all the things that we don't like to do, social distancing and everything else, is because the hospitals are getting barnstormed. Hospitals being barnstormed, even if it's caused by unvaccinated individuals who that's their personal choice, right, to get sick and go in a hospital, are affecting people who did get vaccinated and did the right thing. Yes. Because then they can't get medical care that they need. Routine, like non-important surgeries are getting delayed, but some of those are, are actually important. You know, some of those people were right. waiting. Even just a heart attack or whatever else. You get hit by a bus and you need to get care and you can't. So that's the real root problem. Oh, I, I remember there was a term called flattening the, the, cur- uh, the, something that, cur- cur- fl- yeah, hey, um, yeah, but yeah, nobody remembers that at all. So we're, the curve is, right. yeah. And, and I get the fatigue because then you have stupid things like Oregon, frankly, I'm going to say they're stupid, are doing an outdoor mask mandate. In Australia, I haven't even tried to follow that. And it's like some crazy lockdown state now. Yeah, no, Australia is wild right now. I, they, they don't have a good distribution of the vaccines, to my knowledge. And then, you know, they're, you have to you can't travel across like state borders. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So you have everyone acting wrong. Essentially, people should get vaccinated. We should probably get a booster shot at some point to slow down the spread, right? Are we going to need boosters forever? Maybe, maybe we got a booster once a year, just like you get a flu shot. Do we maybe have boosters slightly more frequently than the final whatever we're going to decide on a few years from now? Yeah, partially because we're figuring it out, partially because we're trying to keep those neutralizing levels high because it prevents spread from vaccinated to other people, to vaccinated or unvaccinated. Yeah. Okay, so what's happening with these? Why is it spreading, but why aren't we dying? Neutralize the antibodies, what? Okay, so 
the main mechanism of immunity, and I said this, I think, two podcasts ago, for respiratory viruses, including COVID, is cellular immunity. That means your T cells recognize infected cells and go kill them. And your B cells recognize infected cells and then make some antibodies, but that takes still four to five days to pump out, right? So they're not starting there, constantly going on. So you don't have a bunch of plasma cells, which are mature B cells that are producing antibodies. You have memory B cells that have not converted to plasma mode yet to pump out antibodies. So they have to convert over, they have to coordinate other immune responses. And so it takes time, right? So you get a little sick, but not very sick. But you can't measure T cell or cellular immunity very well. You can do it in a lab, and the science labs can do it routinely. But it's not like something you can get an off-the-shelf kit to assess. No. People running around this and neutralizing antibodies, well, that's not the main system by which you have immunity anyway. And that's why they're seeing that even in people, months and months later, where the neutralizing antibodies low and they can transmit it and get sick, aren't getting very sick because their T cell and other cellular functions are all just fine killing the thing and making it not a murder hobo. So yeah. get vaccinated. We all go back to normal life, but we can't have nice things. Yeah. Well, most of the kits and the swabs and the, uh, the strip tests and whatever that they have out there, I haven't seen the commercial stuff that they have at CVS. Most of that is antigen. They're, they're detecting no. the antigen. No, they're not. They're detecting, they're detecting. So there's no good, there's no EUA cleared antigen test. It's de- okay. You explain that. I'm, I'm not going to explain that to you. So you tell me, tell me the difference because right. So, so, so rapid tests. Yes. So, so, so you can get some at-home antigen tests that are not for diagnostic purposes that are yes. not really truly UA approved. And those so are what I'm not, found, I've not found a good one. They make rapid tests. So the tests that you go and get a nasal swab for rapid test or PCR tests. Yeah. They get the one day full PCR. You can get a rapid COBUS PCR test that is, you know, like two hour turnaround using this uh, unique DNA detection system that Abbott has. So you can get all these tests, right? Yeah. Most yeah, we have tests, those at work. Yeah. 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 Most of those detect nucleic acids. Yeah. So. Okay. That, that, that helps because a lot of the kits that are out there that, I mean, you can pick them up and buy them and there, I've seen so many things that are advertised for that. So uh, people aren't sure about the accuracy of those versus going into an actual lab. So. Yeah, I'm looking at FDA individual EUAs for antigen. There's some. Okay, no, we have some finally. Uh, there, yeah, now they, no, they have some finally from March this year on. They've made some, and they suck. <laughs> yeah, that was so my concern. The, yeah, so let me explain it. They finally have some EUA ones. Good, like like finally uh, in the last few months. There wasn't any until. Uh, late last year and then most of them were this year i'm just thinking so, that with everything going on I, false negatives are just as freaking confounding to deal with as well as so anything let, let's let's talk laboratory science here you'll like this so pcr right so this is like sequencing the genes so to speak for people to understand but using basic sequencing technology to verify that a specific part of covid's genetic sequence is present in your nose yes it's very accurate right hard to f up because of how PCR works, super specific most of the time. Um, So we had those very early. The problem with them is that you don't know if that virus is replicating. So if you are vaccinated and COVID positive on the test, a PCR test, or nucleic acid test, let's be more technical, nucleic acid test, do you, can you transmit it? Well, we know from population studies you can, but we don't know at what viral load or copy count or level of positive you are at that you are transmissible and infectious. 
because you could have a whole bunch of virus that went in your nose that your immune system just killed yeah that will be picked up on the test and you could be barely infectious or not infectious at all so antigen testing that's what your rapid flu tests and other things are yeah this measures a viral protein an antigen something your immune system responds to with an antibody an antigen test they exist but they're not very good well they're not considered the standard for determining your negative because covid antigen right so it's a coronavirus they took blood from 2018 and found half of the blood had antibodies that responded to covid antigen now and antigen tests basically put antibodies on a piece of paper or something that changes color and use antibodies to covid to detect there's antigen in your nose or yeah. your blood or whatever so if people already had cross-reacting antibodies from other coronaviruses folks your antigen test is going to be ass if you make it really specific so a very very low false positive rate you're going to have a high false negative rate because you're always going to get it right but you're going to miss other times when you really have it because you're really dialing it in and if you're like i'm going to make it less loosey-goosey so you have low false net false negative you're going to have a high false positive what that's going to happen mean is you're going to make it a looser test so any coronavirus mostly covid but sometimes other stuff will give you a positive result because coronaviruses look alike to antibodies so you have cross-reactivity. <laughs> so you can't get a good antigen test right now. Unlike, say, influenza, which is its own virus type, kind of, sort of, and is much more easy to detect that, oh, you have the flu. Yeah. And it's been dialed in over years and getting an antigen test. Now, antibodies are just measuring, do you have an antibody in your blood to COVID? So they take <laughs> the antigen, put that in something, and see if your blood response to that with an antibody do um somebody had that question the other day and it that was was offline uh whether or not what like antibody titers for covid or to see if you've had that if is that a thing do they do that kind of tests because i i don't work on that end of that it's academic mostly and sometimes for very immunosuppressed people where we're trying to figure out if you have an immune response okay so that's so not something you've been meds or you've gotten COVID twice since you've been vaccinated and you're getting sick every time. There's like a rare set of people that like very rare, like one in a million or something whose COVID vaccines don't work. Yeah. Try and understand why. So like you could then look at neutralizing antibodies four weeks after your second vaccine or two weeks after your second vaccine, I think. And then make sure that you have them. But after that, it's mostly meaningless. It's but this really isn't something you can go to CPL and, you know, get a, get a test. You can clap. Lab Corps will take your money for it and give you a test. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, because but there, is there a reason to do that? Generally speaking, no. No. Well, the, the person that asked me is, I hate the term vaccine hesitant, more like vaccine fucking stubborn. Um, so they're like, well, if my uh, antibodies are high enough, then, you know, I don't really need vaccine because I think I had COVID before. And I'm totally not what this person sounds like. But you uh, know. they found that one vaccine COVID once plus one vaccine gives you a similar immune response to two vaccine shots. However, they've also found that Delta maybe give you more of an infectious level or a vaccine immune response similar to both doses. But that's because Delta has way higher titers and you don't want to ride on the Delta train. No. No, just uh, like it's like who who doesn't go to the gym before their fight? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've been trying to. I've come up with so many different ways, and I've seen some really good breakdowns on how to explain this to people. I tell this to you know, depending on the audience, is like that 
the the vaccine, the the mRNA vaccine basically is like sending an email of IKEA instructions to kick the shit out of the, the, the virus or, you know, it's, yeah, it's like a cheat code that you put into your game shark for nobody knows what a game shark is anymore, but you know, it, it just, it get bypasses that or lets you, you know, attack the virus. It's a, it's a power up. It super saiyan five immunity, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think I've made some progress, but Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I've convinced a few people here and there, but it's a mess. But the real problem is, is now you have both sides going nuts. So you have one side says, I don't want a vaccine ever. And they're taking, you know, ivermectin, which we can get into because that's driving me nuts. Yes. And you have the other sides like, I need an outdoor mask mandate forever and weekly testing of asymptomatic people forever. And I'm like, what are you doing in a place yeah. that's like 90% vaccinated or something? And you're like, like, if you want to say, I need to put masks on people and do some screening because the hospitals in my area are getting overwhelmed or look like they will be soon. And I need to mitigate that. And here's some strategies. That's a reasonable argument. And I'll listen to it. But like, let's outdoor mask mandate. Virus doesn't transmit outdoors, folks. Yeah. But the, the problem is people are simple. They want a simple ex- blanket explanation. It's like, oh, I wear a mask or not wear a mask. I you know, think hard. You know, I mean, it's and it's it's easy. It's understandable because, you know, everybody's busy. They got a lot of shit going on. They they just want one data point and then they stick it in their head. And that's what they want to do. And if there's different conflicting versions of it, they just like ah, paralysis. So, so, so we'll go to ivermectin in a second. But I'm going to talk about kids vaccines for a second because I have a pet theory that I'll just go on the record now for. Okay. And then. Uh, I'm hope I'm wrong because there's some inklings that there'll be some data for kids in a month or two. But if the kid, the five to twelve was supposed to already be out. Remember, it's yeah. late. Yep. Okay. So we've seen in kids as young as sixteen and younger that the mRNA vaccines have a specific side effect, which is about one in a hundred thousand kids will develop inflammation often of the heart sac or yeah. the heart itself, myocarditis. Okay, about one in a hundred thousand. Okay, so. That means that any vaccine has to be better than that, right? Yeah. Well, what's the rough rate of serious illness in five to 12 year olds? We'll talk about under five in a second because they have. So think about it real quick. Zero to four year olds or zero to five have one immune system or really two to five and then under two. Five to 12 kind of have a transitor- transitional immune system. Then 12 up have an adult immune system. So you have to change doses and stuff. Okay. So five to 12. What percent? complication rate one in whatever do you think have serious illness from covid oh well much 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 less than one out of a hundred thousand or just moderate to severe it's about one in a hundred thousand have like some moderate illness right okay well moderate yeah but yeah okay this is so, the kind of math that people don't want to hear right now so you're, you're making it hard for them I know, so the so the so the vaccine in young five to twelve year olds has to beat out its known side effect. How do you do that? Dose titering. Dose titering is hard. Apparently Pfizer and others are having the clinics do it like sterilely, you know, gown up and then dilute the vaccine down to different titers on site and then do it. Oh, Cause they can only manufacture it at one level right now to pump it out. And then they, you have to dilute it in saline. So that I was just reading an article about this, the, 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 some, I forget what news source did the expose on it, but they were talking about the process for the trials. Then they had to enroll more people to get a higher N to show a benefit and get the right dose. So you have to figure out the right dose to make that equation better, right? Yeah. So the one in hundred thousand risk of inflammation goes down. And now with Delta, the risk of frequency is about the same, but more kids are affected the prevalence. So the number needed to treat 
is the same, but everyone gets it now. So now it's easy and easier to justify, right? So, so all of this is happening. And then it's even worse for really young kids, right? So zero to four-year-olds and five-year-olds like, okay, the younger you get, the more concerned you are. The kids can't complain about symptoms as much the younger they get. Uh, the risk to them to start with is way lower. Now you're giving them a vaccine and have to do the dose titering. So it's going to be a while for the kids who don't really get sick from it. So should you wear a mask in school all day long around unvaccinated people to help prevent the spread in the community? Yeah. Do we need to like put society on hold until every child from zero up is vaccinated? No, because they don't get that sick. Yeah. Should we, should we make sure that five, you know, as soon as we can, we vaccinate that population? Yes. Should we have really good data like we did for adults before we do so? Yes, because we should do the same thing and just be, you know, intellectually consistent. Yeah. Um, it, but I mean, a lot of these people, they're, they're not thinking rationally. They're not thinking, you know, in probability, they're thinking uh, that so many people I've run into this a lot in the last two years is the, the people that think in terms of silver bullets, the silver bullet solution to this, it masks were supposed to solve the problem. The vaccine was supposed to solve the problem. And if either of those things, any of those things just don't work 100%, then there, there was no point to using them in the first place. And so it, that's a mentality that's really hard to address and argue with. It's like, no, the, no vaccine works 100% and there's nothing that's perfect. There's no, no intervention at all. Medical that is free from any possible side effects or, or, you know, pain or discomfort or whatever, or risk, especially risk. I've had to explain to somebody that, you know, when you go into surgery, they Uh, cut you open. Well, bypass machines statistically reduce people's IQ. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But yeah. some people have data that shows that ursodiol prevents that. But I haven't deep dived into that. But speaking of therapy, yeah, no. So it's always a risk benefit, right? And it's just that COVID was nasty enough. We were lucky it didn't affect the kids, right? So that's yeah. great news. We should all rejoice. The peasants rejoice. We're happy. Um, and then so people are now flipping out about the children who aren't that affected. Like, yes, pediatric ICUs are getting more full. A, pediatric ICUs are really flipping small. Yeah. It doesn't take much to fill one up. Two, it's RSV season. So like... Mostly RSV and like 20% COVID cases on the top, overfill it. Three, they don't break out the number of cases by age. A 13-year-old or 14-year-old in the pediatric ICU is counted the same as an 8-year-old or 4-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so is it yeah. growing? Yes. Are they deliberately bundling all of the pediatric cases together because they, they being people advocating for children, don't want to be like, oh, you know. Screw the eight-year-olds. We're really just concerned about the teenagers. No, they don't want to do that. They want to care about all their patients and get this thing out as fast as possible and keep the message simple, which is ICUs are filling up, which they are. And pediatric ICUs are filling up. They are. So wear a goddamn mask. But then they have to get talked to like you're two because that's all we deserve. I, um, I would not, you know, I actually thought about going back and uh, just for funsies, getting an MPH and this whole experience has like convinced me. No, why? Why would you want to get involved in shit that nobody wants to? Nobody wants to listen to you. No, nope, nobody gives nope. a shit. You're the dude that tells people to put a condom on and wear. Yeah, mask. you know what? Um, but yeah. So prediction: I will say on record, we're going to see kids' vaccines in December for five through twelve, and next summer or late next spring, April of 2020 two for anyone under five. Oh, okay. 
I mean, you nailed the 600,000. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm wrong and it's November for the kids vaccine because there's some inclination it's going better. But I give that a 50-50. It's November and more likely I think it'll be December by the time it drops because they have to get yeah. the data over and then there's flipping Thanksgiving and horse and pony shows. And yeah, the FDA is uh, still very busy. So that's, that's so that's my prediction. And December I, 12. I, I was hoping it would be sooner just because, oh, oh well, Oh, hold on, let's address that because uh, now now that it's FDA approved, at least the Pfizer, um, physicians can prescribe off-label use for right. under twelve. And right, I, but what else? So right. I, I'm just saying that there are some people that would probably look into that and have uh, yeah. questions. Uh, I'm saying that I'm not going to do that for my kid. Yeah, I have proper doses. Yeah. Kids aren't tiny adults. That's something you learn when you do your peds rotation. They're not little adults. They have their own physiology. I ain't going to mess with that. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. I just, I, I went out and got a booster for my, I, I don't think we talked about that. I, I'm, I went out and got a booster myself, uh, before at the eight month period yeah. as, uh, and then I got a different version of the vaccine. Because yeah. I read, I read an abstract or abstract or two. I didn't really get too far into the paper because I mean, who has time for that shit? <laughs> Unless you're getting paid. Um, but yeah, I just it, there is some benefit to that, and it seemed reasonable, and the risk seemed low. So I had two two Pfizer's and a Moderna. I had my third Pfizer because I'm eligible because I'm immunosuppressed. So I just did that on cue. Yeah, I also got no, I just, back in December, and so my second one was in January, and I was eight months out when I was due for yeah. for immunosuppressed. So I just walked on over yeah i got mine my um i got my first ones in, in december and then I, my second one th- this is weird uh i i got it right after i had uh done the bone marrow donation the, oh, the thing so my my white cell count was like 40 or 50 at the time i was like if there's gonna be side effects i'm gonna die <laughs> i'm just gonna like implode <laughs> pills and this vaccine is mostly uh lymphocytes anyway yeah but there's like stem cells like floating around in my yeah. system at the time so it was is wild but um so i was like yeah you know, whatever i'll just i'll do it and yeah. i felt like shit for a day I felt we were like shit gonna for have day. vaccines earlier at my hospital but then uh somehow they weren't allocated to the state of pennsylvania anymore oh yeah uh is that operation warp speed <laughs> it was operation fuck philly yeah yeah gritty <sighs> yeah 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 you know it, it very we they all didn't show up for a couple extra weeks Hmm. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. it was a fun. <laughs> so horses and horse paste. Oh yeah, Joe Rogan uh, t- took some horse paste. I uh, <sighs> I made a joke about that. It's like he, he took Regeneron, right? And, and so he's like, "All right, I, I, my this is the the analogy I made. Yeah, my kitchen caught fire, and I used a uh, fire extinguisher. I did a, uh, a Zulu rain dance, and I uh, I prayed to Zenu, and um." Yeah, it, it, problem was solved. Yeah, motherfucker, you used a fire extinguisher. So, on on his Instagram, he's like, "Yeah, I, I took uh, Regeneron, uh, B vitamins, uh, some kind of weird fucking drip, and ivermectin, and you know, I bleached his asshole in the sun or whatever he does." And uh, yeah, it was Regeneron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then uh, I've seen the, the spin on this is that, oh, well, it's all these people that are being elitist and condescending to the, uh, the rural country folk who just do folk treatments and, you know, how dare they from their ivory. Ta- so, so, so here's what's stupid, extra stupid. There is actually a medicine 
This has actively been looked at since, like, God, April of this year, was it? I think I sent that paper over to you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I read that. That, that. that actually may have some promise. And it's just a generic that's on the market. It's fluoxetine mm-hmm. or uh, Luvox. Um, it's, it's an SSRI. It's an antidepressant. It's been known for a long time to have some weird anti-inflammatory properties. It showed some in vitro and pseudo in vivo activity against COVID in a treatment model early on, right? Yeah. And there was a big giant ass study that's still in preprint uh, that compa- took like a thousand controls and then a thousand people each to nine different drugs and tried to figure out what works. They had hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and fluoxetine mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. And guess what? Ivermectin didn't work and fluoxetine did. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I don't know why. Well, okay. I think I have an idea why people latch on to the hydroxychloroquine and the ivermectin, but, uh, you know, I don't want to get too, too yeah, far but I, but so, so There is actually other medications that physicians and scientists are looking into that are generic, that could be used off label, that could be manufactured really cheap that would work. But here's the thing when you just look at, tr- so, so, so this is like pandemic science, like 201. All right. Pandemic hits. Okay. First, you isolate the bug. It's a virus or antibacterial or whatever. Hopefully, antibiotics work for back, anti, you know, for bacteria. But you start screening your libraries for things that work not as prophylaxis, because prophylaxing everyone every day is hard, but for treatment. Here's why prophylaxis is not preferred. A, side effects that are tolerable for treatment are not tolerable for prophylaxis. B, Understanding the side effects for treatment versus prophylaxis are very different. Taking a drug every day for six months is different than taking it for two weeks. What does it do to metabolize your other pills that you're on, et cetera, et cetera. You start having to look at a lot more things. The, the pharmacokinetic curves and the exposure to your system is much different. And then the dosing is much harder to figure out. So you want something that can make you less sick. So you want a treatment. You get early symptoms, you get it, you're less bad, you don't die as much. So that's what they started searching for. There was some early inclinations for hydroxychloroquine, and then they didn't pan out. Ivermectin had some weird properties. There were some early indications. Didn't pan out. Fluoxetine. Am I saying, I um, think I, maybe I'm, it's not fluoxetine. It's, uh, hold on. Yeah, you pull it out. I was about to. It's fluvoxamine. Sorry. Fluvoxamine versus fluoxetine. I know, folks. Fluvoxamine, also known as Luvox. All right. It's panning out. Am I going to go shout from the rooftops? People should be taking this yet? No. <clears throat> Studies in preprint. It well, needs to be fully reviewed. Am I cautiously optimistic? We'll have something in the next six months. Yeah. It's had multiple hits in a row that kind of are building up a good case for it. Good job, science. And in the meantime, we got a vaccine. You yeah, want to know what the best prophylactic treatment is? Vaccine. Yeah. So, so vaccine what you're saying is. Uh, you screw the vaccine. I go invest a lot of money in the company and be buddy buddy with the CEO and get elected to office, and that way you can push this this new treatment. And uh, you have, yeah, yeah. You, have, you mean you mean a drug that's like fifty year old and a generic and so off patent and anyone can make it? <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the same as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, right? There's no patent protection anymore. Generic manufacturers can just go gangbusters, and we're what really is- good at. What is the damn angle for those then? Because I know there were some, I, I mean, they were going after hard after hydroxychloroquine. I mean, what was the point of that? I'm going to consult and charge you $100 for your office visit. We'll just do it off insurance. I'm going to then prescribe it to you. I'm going to get really famous with my videos 
talking about it on social media hmm. and become on the public peaking speaking circuit and 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 yeah that's why yeah just i mean i i understand what what happened on the the dark horse paced podcast but i mean some I mean, that drives me nuts because i actually liked brett i listened to him like his article his his story about the telomeres is actually really interesting from a scientific perspective and the mice and the aging that he talked about yeah um it's interesting it it deserves some thought and then like he just pulls on people who support ivermectin and like these articles that he cites that like ignore all the other these meta-analysis that ignore all the papers to the contrary yeah. they're like just bad papers and you should know this and he's either in like dunning like i i think he's just somehow in like the world's biggest dunning kruger effect right now yeah i mean uh, you don't get a and good producer message saying i will come on and talk to you about it and just walk you through the science of what the hell's going on if he latches on to Luvox instead, great. At least that has better data. Yeah. But well, like, somebody should send him a message and nudge him. But I, I think that a train is already gone. The, the reasonable people that followed him have slowed down their following of him at least. And yeah, then I don't, I don't watch, listen to his podcast or anything anymore. I, I can't. Is, I, you're, I was like you. I actually, when the whole evergreen uh, state thing kicked off, I was like, oh man, that sounds awful. I, I kind of see his point of view. I mean, yeah, it probably isn't the best. She's not timing for that, but I mean, okay. Uh, you know, run off with baseball bats and then, you know, it was okay. The, the early days of what they called the intellectual dark web was okay. Yeah. Let's, let's check That's this out. Like, had like a Ben Shapiro arguing with the Brett <laughs> Weinstein and a Jordan P and then you had Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris as like three hour argument about what is, is oh, which, God, was, yeah. which was great for, for the nerds of us who like want to deal with that type of thing. And then you have Eric and, and Ben Shapiro and Joe Rogan all disagreeing, but you at least saw a model of people yeah. with different political persuasions who are all somewhat iconoclastic and heterodox disagreeing yeah. with each other, but still going out for dinner afterwards. Yes. And, and I Ruben convincing Ben Shapiro that gay marriage should be legal it was one of the things that happened from that. I missed that. You so currently is that I can't go to your gay marriage because it violates my religion, but you should allow to be married because the state regulates marriage and we shouldn't be limiting it and all the rights and privileges that come with it. That's that what is a good argument. Damn. Okay. Like, but I can't, but he religiously can't go to your marriage because that would like violate his faith. Fine. But he's fine for you to do it because that's your personal. Yes. Life. Yes. I mean, if your faith prevents you from doing it, great. Your faith doesn't prevent me from doing shit. So right. and vice versa. So there you go. The gay log cabin Republican who's gone weirdo libertarian. It convinced the movement conservative that gay marriage should be a, the law of the land based on, you know, center libertarian principles. And Joe Rogan tried to get them high. <laughs>